Chapter 1. The Journey. Saint-Gerard, 1954. The melody had come to him in a dream. It was a haunting sound, refined and vaguely familiar, and it came through the absolute silence of an old-growth cedar forest not yet ravaged by the steel saws. Something in this music drew him out of his body and invited him to a sacred dance, the vision of the forest still vivid in his floating body. Although he was wandering in search of something he did not know, he felt a new sense of peace and purpose, not unlike a thirsty land, quenched at last by a replenishing rain. At the first light, with the dream more real than any event in his recent memory, Bernard closed the doors of his cabin and set out in the direction of the dawn. The music had come to the young man in his sleep, breaking the silence of his waking hours, which had been silent since he was five years old. But now, following the surge of the music in his inner ear, he walked purposefully beyond the lake and surrounding autumn landscape of his home, like a scout embarking on his first tribal hunt. His feet paced out the rhythm of the music for eleven hours, yet he felt no tiredness, his sense of purpose still strong. He reached La Peregrine Creek, taking the old logger's road to where it met the Salmon River at the base of Malmagantique following its meandering and keeping just within sight of the undulating terrain of clear-cutting. The area around Salpetriere was first settled by French fur traders in the early 17th century, near the junction of the creek and the river, and much later became a lumber town. By the time he found his way to this settlement, however, it had become a ghost town, abandoned for more than three decades. A scandal involving a priest, it was rumored, had sent the town into a downward spiral that decimated the once thriving timber camp. Whole families retreated from Solpetriere to other nearby towns, a few settled new camps downriver, and others packed up to move southward to New England, or back to Europe, until the sawmill eventually shut down for lack of willing workers. Although he had set out at the first dim rays of dawn on foot, assisted by the occasional motor car, he did not reach this main bend of the river until nearly nightfall, much later than he had hoped. The low-grade light of the sun behind the tree-line now presented him with a dilemma. Finding it much too dark to proceed into the thicket, but too early to abandon his plan, he parted the low branches of the thick undergrowth on the periphery of the forest, brought himself up tall as a warrior, and searched the dense woodland floor with his eagle eyes for a trail, a path, or a clearing of some kind to suggest an entrance, a safe passage through the cauldron of this dark evergreen sea. Meanwhile, the sunset had begun to turn a deep, dusky red, gold, and navy against the black silhouette of the encircling trees. Directly above, a white crescent moon made her half-sliver appearance, followed by the North Star, a frozen spark above the horizon's diminishing bonfire. He considered whether to enter the dense forest, which would inevitably obliterate the illumination of moonlight. With his sense of purpose still strong, he was keen to advance into the belly of the beast and discover the source of the pull, which like a fishhook had lodged itself in a central space in his inner ear, and was now working its magic to reel him in. He was a salmon swimming instinctively upriver, through a path of undeniable dangers, a night forest replete with predators. But he confronted his momentary fears with uncharacteristic disregard, for tonight logic and self-preservation were not his masters. His initiation into the forest was a baptism of darkness. Almost immediately the dim moonlight disappeared, a lamp blown out by a phantom wind. 
and the darkness descended upon him, swallowing him in its jaws whole. 